Welcome to Wedding and Event Podcast. Frank podcast discussions for event professionals and those planning successful events. With wedding and special event consultant, Toby Dodge of prepared.com. And Eric Zimmerman, pianist, DJ, and master of ceremonies of elegantmusic.com. Hello, everyone. The title of this episode is, I'm All Done with Wedding Planning. In a previous discussion, Toby had briefly described a bride who thought she was all done with planning her wedding, but in fact was only half the way there. I admire someone who is motivated, creative, and a self-starter. I think it's great that this bride, being in the television industry, was kind of a do-it-yourself person who had very specific ideas. Being a performer and an artist, this individual was able to communicate her vision. To have really good ideas is one thing, but now comes logistics and execution and making those ideas happen. Thank goodness she had Toby Dodge as her wedding coordinator. And now please enjoy, I'm all done with wedding planning. I remember you mentioning um, working with a bride and that um, she very proudly announced to you that, well, oh, well, you know, all of the planning is done. And it was, it was very interesting that she was only really halfway. Yeah. And so, um, so I, I would like you to describe where she actually was in the planning process. In other words, what she had achieved up to this point. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, I, I have to validate, I want to validate um, our listeners and, and the people that are the do-it-yourselfers or that yeah. they're um, very involved in, in the creative mm-hmm. process. I, I think that's, that's wonderful. And that, um, that they take, take on the responsibility of, of talking with vendors and putting things together and this type of thing. And that's good. But because she didn't have the, oh, how could I say it, the, the years of experience and knowing mm-hmm. where she was at at this point in, in the process. Mm-hmm. So if, if you could, just give, give us a little background as to this bride, what she had achieved, and then where she really was. Okay. Well, I think for, for most brides, uh, especially if they're used to being in control and doing the projects and planning for other events, because mm-hmm. in, in their life, they may have had a quinceanera or a, a coming out party or a bar bat mitzvah. So there have been times when they, or maybe their high school you know, reunion, or uh, there could be many events that they took place, you know, took part in. And so Mm -hmm. oftentimes there was a committee attached to it. And so they're aware that it takes more than one person to pull off an event. However, Mm -hmm. they may have been the chairman and uh, have done a, a baby shower for a friend or have been a maid of honor, because the older the brides are, the more experience they may have had in these life cycle events. So I can mm-hmm. understand that there's a feeling that they know what they're doing. Besides having used the internet for probably at least 10 years of their adult life uh, to mm-hmm. do so many 
decision-making opportunities uh, for their uh, insurance or buying a car or even buying a house these days. So I get it. I, I understand where they're coming from. But you know, I, I know they may have made big decisions, but in the end, they probably had to rely on a professional. A professional for closing the house, you know, for mm -hmm. the delivery and maybe the taxes and the payment structure for buying a car. There's always some interjection at the end. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting parallel that most couples would think, okay, we can do most of this. We just need somebody at the end to make sure our plans are executed, which in many okay. people's mind turns out to be the day of. Uh -huh. Sometimes the weekend, if they're having a larger or more elaborate event, which would in involve an out-of-towner's dinner or rehearsal dinner and brunch the day after. But essentially, they're hiring somebody to pull the loose ends together. So when they say, oftentimes, well, we've done most of the planning, we just need yeah, someone sure. to execute. And that's a really important word, to execute mm -hmm. our plans. Well, in a perfect world, and I have been on the other side of that, when someone has been, and the person I'm thinking of here uh, was a TV producer. Now, who else knows a lot about putting something together other than a producer? Sure. Because they're, oh, they're not only yeah. working with the budget as a producer, they're working with the director, the line um, people, front of the camera, back in the, I mean, everybody. So, or at least has awareness of all of those things. Mm -hmm. So it's a very good parallel. And I listened intently to this bride as she went through and showed me her book. I mean, at least three inch thick binder at the time. <laughs> and uh -huh. showed me all of the contracts, you know. Now... They weren't all signed. Some of the things she wanted to change a little. And this is very interesting because in a natural conversation, if the planner or coordinator is at all curious, which they usually are, they're going to ask questions like, well, how many hours have you set aside for photography? Or uh -huh. are you planning to have the standard four-hour a reception or mm -hmm. are you going to be seeing each other before the ceremony for photos or not I mean there's dozens of these average questions that mm -hmm. are are just I call run-of-the-mill kind of questions and they're standard they're standard questions that anyone would want to know the reason why a coordinator wants to know that is they're trying to figure out initially if the couple has really thought these things through without embarrassing them 
without getting into too much detail because they're there to decide if that person that they're interviewing and vice versa is the right match for them. Mm -hmm. So in talking with, with this couple, I found out, oh my God, this is going to be a big deal. The bride wanted to have a video of her arriving at the banquet center in a limo with the top open so she could pop up and wave at the um, camera, which means you have to have a car in front of the limo and you have to have two people in as a video team somebody's got to be driving the car and the other is filming <laughs> so it's you know it's starting to make sense to me what she's envisioned uh-huh. and she wants that uh more drama and that she wants to have a horse and carriage with her father take her to the ceremony location And I reminded her that there is a slight incline on this brick pathway that she wants Mm. to go with her dad and the carriage and the horses. And if the horses are not shooed properly, they will Mm. not be able to go up that pathway. It'll be too slick. Uh Uh-huh. Now, why do I know all this? <laughs> <laughs> because I learned the hard way. <laughs> so by the time I had this wedding, I knew every darn question to ask her. But you don't always know these things ahead. You know, who would right. think, you know, that a certain incline, you know, you see horses galloping up mountains, you know, well, what's with, uh, you know, a brick path? However, <laughs> mm-hmm. it does make a difference. So I didn't reveal. I just wanted to know where she wanted the, the, the horse to go. I, I just really wanted to get a full picture of what this lady wanted. And then she said she wanted um, this location happened to have a waterfall. And she wanted the waterfall on while the guests were arriving. And she wanted Mm. it turned off as soon as she uh, arrived at the altar. Mm -hmm. Well, that is easier said than done. Because the waterfall is actually about 50 feet away from the actual site. It's that large and in the distance that you have to have someone with a radio on the side of the the rocks where there is Uh a turnoff. Because if you did it at, there's always two turnoffs, because if you did it, you know, like an emergency one, if you did it at the, where the building is, or closer to where the guests are, it would take a little while for it to stop. 
because pipes have to run out. They don't stop immediately in that situation because of gravity. So yeah. <laughs> I know. So let me, let me, let me. I know this so is a long have... story, but it's a good no, one. No. But the thing is, is that you have to be an expert in in horse shotting. <laughs> That's what I think it's called horseshoeing or horse shotting. Uh-huh. Um, the the surface that the horse is walking on and this type of thing, and up the hill, and and then 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 you have to be a plumbing expert and know the the <laughs> diameter of the pipe, the pipes that are feeding the and, and what time it'll take, how long it'll take to run out, and time that. Yeah, and you need and you need wire microphones and you need things like that. Radios, yeah. So I, I'm just I'm letting her roll. I have not told her the challenges of any of this yet, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, in my head I'm adding up the amount of staff and timing this is going to take. Because oh, as a planner and coordinator, if you do not find out. Really, all that is involved, as soon as you can, you're not going to be able to give an accurate estimate or proposal. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that, yes, they have a waterfall, yes, they have you know a video trailing her, yes, they have a a um, a horse and carriage, that's not nearly enough. You need to know mm-hmm. the location. So, if I had not been to this location, I would not have given her a firm price. I would have had to have said, you know, I need to check where the shutoff valves are. I need to check the in, the in, how the incline um, angle of the road. I need mm-hmm. to make sure that the video team has a steady cam and two people because when you're driving I don't care if it's in a parking lot it's got to be steady and right and her eyes just grew larger and larger as I was asking her finally asking her questions okay so th- that gets us through the ceremony she decided <laughs> She she decided that she wanted to hand out um, favors, but she wanted to do it with champagne glasses. So she had 200 champagne glasses engraved. She didn't want to put it on the table. She wanted to be able to stroll from guest to guest and toast them immediately. I've never in all my life had a bride want to do that. Now, this was during the wedding reception? Yeah, or this, the cocktail this was, hour. Yeah. The co- she, during the cocktail hour. During the cocktail hour. And mm-hmm. they had, it turns out they took their pictures ahead of time. Uh, but I didn't know that, you know. Um, I mean, I knew that at the time I was asking. Then when she said about, the glasses, and that she would want to go around and and toast everyone. And I thought, gosh, Mm -hmm. what a personalized way of doing things. I said, Uh my only concern is we would offer both 
alcoholic and non-alcoholic, obviously, for those who may not want to partake in real champagne. But champagne goes flat within 20 minutes or less. So how do you keep that champagne fresh for 45 minutes while she is going to be strolling with her husband through the cocktail hour. During the cocktail hour. Which, you know, when you think about it, people don't stand still in a cocktail hour. Right. They move too. Some go to the bathroom. Some some sneak out to take a smoke somewhere they can. Mm-hmm. Food, and they're talking when they right. see somebody, and they go and some work. people go off to a corner to hide for whatever reason. So, uh-huh. all I'm saying is, it's a lovely idea, but she's not going to get to everybody. It's just well, that's just it. Yeah, you're not going to get can. to everybody doing that. So, because she was trying to avoid having to go number one through a formal. Um, receiving line, which is rarely done today, was done more uh-huh. often when she did it, but I mean, and at the time she got married, but it's rarely done now. But she was very progressive in, the, in her thinking as the way she had chosen to do it. But I told her there are going to be some people that you will not personally greet, where if you have gone, go to the tables, you will be sure to greet everyone. And you don't have to do it in one fell swoop. You could go to some tables in between courses. So do it in Uh thirds. Even then, it's not possible to get every single person, but most everybody, you Mm -hmm. know. And that's honestly why they had receiving lines right out of the church, because or synagogue, or wherever, because that way, for sure, everyone would pass, and they could acknowledge everyone. But that Mm -hmm. would mean, if they didn't want to see each other before, there would be a lag time. So, you know, with every decision you make, there is a, not repercussion, but just the outcome that might not be what you originally thought. So I didn't want to well, discourage her. No, no, you don't. You want to keep that open. You want to keep that mm-hmm. creative flow going. In fact, when they're flowing creatively and they get, they're getting all these great ideas, well, heck, you know, encourage them and, yeah, keep it going. Um, exactly. But then, but then at this point, you know, you need to uh, put together the... Um, the logistics of it, how, okay, there's a great vision there. (laughs) Now we need to put the the boots on the ground to make it happen. And you also don't want to behave like a gatekeeper in the sense Mm -hmm. of telling someone, no, you can't do that. No, this is a problem. No, that's, that's not the purpose of asking the questions. What it Mm -hmm. really is, is taking the time to figure out, Like you say, what is in this creative mind? What is she envisioning? How can I make this happen? And 
what to um, try and avoid from happening that would not be supportive to her idea. Okay. So in the case of the champagne, it would need, with 200 people, you usually have one server per 50 people to serve a champagne toast outside. Or just, even mm -hmm. if it was inside, but w during the cocktail hour. You need that many drink servers. And you would need the same amount of food servers. Okay. If you were to have a timed toast that the bride and groom would want to toast their guests, then you would need a 10 to 15 minute lead time to get everybody's glass filled of, with something for that mm -hmm. toast. Because as they're passing out the glasses, they're passing out the favor as well. So that is done. But she didn't want that. She wanted it to be more casual and personal. So I told her that we would start pouring at one end where she decided to start. And we would have extra drink servers at the other end so that we would only pour half a glass, which you normally do anyway, and we would station two to three extra people so that we could re-pour by the time she moved. Oh, wow. Okay? So, uh -huh. I mean, it costs extra, but if she really wants to do it properly, that's what you mm -hmm. would need to do. Okay. So then I thought, oh, gosh, she can't have much more left. <laughs> Little did I know. Yeah. Well, she decided, and a lot of places won't even allow you to do this now. She wanted a confetti drop. And these were large confetti. They weren't, you know, tiny. They were large, and she wanted to do it. Uh, when they were introduced for their first dance, as they came in, they walked around the dance floor, and when they started to dance, they wanted the confetti to fall gracefully. So it's mm. not a drop. A drop is when it all comes down, like, you know, balloons or whatever. But if you want this almost to look like rain, that's snow, what her thought yeah. was. Uh -huh. That it should come down like rain. That's where I was literally scratching my head, trying to figure out, okay, I know there's a way to do it. I just don't know how yet. I have to talk to an <laughs> expert. I know there is. You know, they, they have blowing machines. There's all kinds of ways that you can do this. But with the configuration of the room where it was, I just didn't quite know how to do that. So I didn't mention anything about that yet. Okay, I'm almost through. So <laughs> <laughs> now 
because she loved Latin dancing, she wanted to have a combo group um, that was percussion, a special percussion unit. But they were only coming on the last two hours. They weren't going to be there for the beginning because the group she wanted were working somewhere else and wouldn't be able to. And she would not take anybody else. So I had a little anxiety, you might say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little. Because... What if that other gig didn't get off on time? You know, and what about traffic? And, you know, any number of things can happen. So I was in contact with the leader. I said, in order to make this work, I need to, you know, have the cell phone of the leader so that I can have like an ETA. (laughs) And if anything changes you know, God forbid, early enough, then I can get a substitute group to come in. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, my goodness. I had talked to the band leader, because this was a separate group. It was not a part of the band. And I said, I'm just for safety's sake. And I said, I personally, I was willing to give those members of his band, if they were not engaged, in other words, if they, I didn't want them to lose a job, but if they weren't working that night, I gave each of the four guys 50 bucks. Now, that was a good amount of time ago. It probably would have been at least $100 just to sit ready at the phone to come and they were and they did how about that one it was worth it to me it was worth it to me because honestly i told the bride and groom what happened not at the night and they didn't ask me and i didn't tell them whatever the issue is we'll handle it later i had nothing to do with the contract they weren't my people but i did my job in getting someone there you had to musicians who were kind of like on their way but then they and they were no but i mean but she had arranged for this band to be there yes and they couldn't make it uh, at at the last minute i guess and so your substitute guys yes and the thing is is that the leader of that other guy did come because he wanted to personally apologize to the bride and so unbeknownst to me i did not know who he was and he walked in with a tux I would not have known. And he went over to her, and I guess they worked it out. Because when I told the bride the next day, she was okay. She said, "It, you know, something happened, and it's all right. It's worked out. Obviously, she had a good time. You know. Yeah. And, you know. Well, it sounds like it was an amazing wedding. Oh, it I was. Mean, it sounded like. I mean, it truly was. And that wasn't the end. She wanted me to hand out roses to all the women as they were leaving. We had to go around at the close of dinner and pass out chocolate um, 
it's an Italian, oh gosh, um, there's a, a something noche. It's like a gift that you give at the close of dinner. And the bride and groom normally go around to table to table and to hand them out. Mm -hmm. um, but there were so many people dancing. I could not get everybody at the table, even after for cake. So I, you know, I asked her, do you want me to wait or do you want me to place them? And she asked me to place them finally because mm -hmm. I had mm -hmm. a thank you note attached. So now if I hadn't have known all that ahead of time. Well, you would have been completely flat-footed. You're, you're, you're hired then for a day of coordination, right? I mean, they... they Glorified. Had, it was she, a little bit more than that, but the A little point more than is, a day of coordination. I mean, that's why a lot of times when couples go online and they can find someone to do a day of at 1,200, at 1,800, at 2,000, at 25, at 4,000, it doesn't matter until... A couple knows, and the planner or coordinator really knows what's involved in that day. Oh. You're, you're flying blind. That's right. And I think as, as an event gets closer and closer and closer, the awareness starts to come up for a couple where, <laughs> and, I've, and I've said this, uh, and I've seen this many, many times where I, people would talk to me and say, well, you know, you know, our wedding is not for, until next year, and it's it's way over there. You know, and then six months later, I'm calling them up and say, "Look, we need to start to talk about this." And, yeah, 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 yeah. It's in June. Yeah, don't worry about it. You know, we're okay. And then, you know, like two, three months before the wedding, then it's just kind of like, "Well, what are we doing here?" And now yeah. we need to so, suddenly awareness comes up and the responsibility comes right. up, which is right. It's healthy. It's good. Yeah, but it just puts everybody on notice. You know that there's a lot to do suddenly. But in this case, here's, an, as you suggested we talk about, how much is really done when someone has selected their services and knows what they want to happen at a wedding. You are about halfway done because the execution, depending on yes. the, com the complexity or the simplicity, really makes up the other half. Because it's not only making up the timeline, it's the communication, it's the back and forth that takes mm -hmm. the time, the consideration, and also making sure that the quality is there, the level of quality, whether it is in timing or in the actual materials the level of service they're expecting. You can't always know that ahead of time. Uh, sometimes you can get a hint by what services they have selected. Because if you know that they've selected some services that have very good reputations, uh, whether they're, they're budget sensitive or very exclusive, that's not the issue. It's the quality mm -hmm. of the product and service because you can get that right. at most levels, maybe not at the very budget level. But there are many, I would say, services and products that are mid-range, mid that are excellent, you know, for most everybody's um, benefit. They may just not have been in business as long 
or maybe they don't do as much advertising. Maybe they're not in an area of the town where the rents are quite as high as others, mm -hmm. so the overhead is lower. There's any number of reasons why there is yeah. a variance in price. I once got a big compliment from a groom in front of in front of his whole reception saying who would have guessed that a lady from the valley planned this event as if to say you know we're used to dealing i mean he didn't mean it as I mean, he meant it as a genuine compliment i knew where he was coming from but he okay. was so used to dealing with a certain milieu that he, he it was a surprise that there was somebody that was out of his neighborhood um, mm -hmm. that would be able to get in sync with the level of quality and care. And because he was insulated, he'd been insulated for many years. That's really what it is. So I'm sharing this not as a embarrassment at all, because I knew darn well where he was coming from. And I'm glad he said it. And I know people are shaking their heads. How could you possibly mean that? But you see, it was a lesson for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. that that quality level of service doesn't come packaged in a specific way. No, no. That's right. As a matter of fact, it's interesting, the metaphor about a package is that, you know, the bride will have these ideas and then you have to open the package of, of what she's saying and, and really draw out of her what, is she, what does she mean by this and what, what is she expecting. And yes, the level of service and the behind the scenes and this type of thing. And then, and then you can help that person uh, to, to realize that. Even if you are opening Pandora's box. And, and then that could happen. Sure, that could happen. I mean, this is... And if uh, it does, wouldn't you want to know ahead of time? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's that's really what, it, you know, it's all about. Uh, I am will always be grateful for that, that wedding. And because it taught me so much. Sometimes you learn a little bit more about yourself than the culture or other services or the sites because when you uh, whether you're a musician or a florist or a planner invitation person sometimes when you take on a very challenging situation where mm -hmm. you do have to work within certain parameters and that means you have to be exceptionally efficient because, yes. and maybe this is a side issue, but I think it, it piggybacks onto what we've been talking about. And that is in the mind's eye of the, of the marrying couple, they perceive a certain value to the functions of any service, okay? In other words, if they're really not into flowers, they're not going to understand how every flower in many bouquets is wired 
so that it can take a certain arc, mm -hmm. stay in a certain position. position. Mm -hmm. They won't understand what goes behind the scenes to make a flower wall. Some are fairly simple, others aren't, depending on how tall they are, what kind of blossom, how long they have to be outside or inside, the rules and regs of the location. I mean, there is so much that goes on. And to our, our listening audience, whether they're a couple or a service or a site, I would tell them to trust each other. That of all the services and sites I have worked with, and couples, that everybody wants a successful event. Nobody is there to, I think, consciously make trouble for them or be difficult. What does happen, though, because perhaps someone is going overboard to try and meet somebody else's expectations financially, even though in their mind they're not cutting corners, the perception of the couple may be that because mm -hmm. maybe they won't bring as many extra flowers. Maybe they'll have one less person on their crew. Maybe they'll come a little later. There'll be something that isn't a big deal on the surface, but becomes a big deal because they weren't fully prepared for the possibilities. They were trying to do their darndest to keep within a certain price point. And mm -hmm. they were willing to take a chance and maybe sacrifice a little, but have done it enough that they think they can still do it. Mm -hmm. And of course, my advice is not to count on that ever. <laughs> it just isn't worth it, you know? I managed to get all this white hair no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be able to um, draw on experience, I think, is, is valuable. And that I hope that our listeners will understand that um, having somebody who, who knows what they're talking about and, and has been doing this and, um, and yes, has the viewpoint of uh, that it has to be right. My daughter... Uh, dances ballet she wanted a um, to dance to a specific piece that had vocals in it and she wanted it instrumental she didn't want it with vocals and then it has to be a little bit shorter than than what she, she wanted so she started to get some very specific ideas about this piece and so she called upon dad to learn this piece so she became very specific about what this music had to be so it's kind of interesting is that, yes, we have our craft or we have what we know we know we know how to do. 
and then through the eyes of the bride, bride, who are really producers and they're really artists, and they have that vision, and our job is to realize that vision. That's the heavy lifting that you <laughs> had done um, in this bride who, who came up to you and just said, well, you know, I'm all done with, with wedding planning. I, oh, yeah, it's a walk in the park, you know, here you go. We just need you for the day. What was classic is she was organized. I mean, truly, very organized. She gave me a notebook the night before the wedding. And she said, here's your script for the day. I mean, because she, you know, was a producer and she knew all this, mm-hmm. she, she literally gave me a script. I mean, it was amazing. And I'm looking and there must have been, I don't know, 40 pages. And I'm saying, how am I going to do it and look at the script at the same time? Meaning, by the time the rehearsal is, I've had to internalize everything already. I cannot look at a script and say, okay, it's 10 o'clock and it's 940 I have 20 minutes to do such, I mean, there, you can't do that. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. And I thought that was so enlightening because in her mind, she had orchestrated everything. She had mm-hmm. walked through it. She knew or estimated what it would take and when it would take. But, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, I didn't think that it was worth debating for sure. And I just thanked her profusely for all her effort. And I had it with me, but I could not follow it. There was just, Uh I mean, we all have our patterns and how much time we think we need for certain things given the personality and rhythm of the event location and the people you're working with, you know, Mm -hmm. and many times not knowing the people well even makes you more uh, alert to certain things Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But when I got that 40 page, (laughs) it was approximately 40 page script, I, I said, I don't think I'll ever have that again. And I, I held on to it a long time. Um, sometimes I used it when I had a very um, lackadaisical bride that had no concept, really. Oh, and that's I dangerous. Would, well, I showed it to her, and I said, uh-huh. okay, you're very trusting, and I know you have likes and dislikes. And it's hard to admit that sometimes. It's hard to put your feelings into words. So I'm going to show you something from someone who is the opposite, who wanted to have everything nailed down to a point that was unrealistic, you know, for the situation. It's Mm -hmm. a live event. It's not a camera shoot, you know? It it is a live event. event. One take. Yes. And so I I gave her that to look at. And 
I knew that I would either win or lose real quickly because she'd either get so overwhelmed that she would say, I think I'm going to elope. Or she would get intrigued and she would say, I guess there really is a lot to know. And gratefully so, she took the ladder. And then little by little, we made those decisions. And Mm. it was fine. But I think if I hadn't shocked her, because she had no concept, never planned anything. So she, it just was like, okay, I'll show up and we'll get married. And it's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, it's going to yeah. happen. You all, you guys know what you're doing, which was lovely of her. But that's when people suddenly realize, oh, I want my uncle to talk now. Well, he's out having a smoke. You know, it's not mm-hmm. going to work. Mm-hmm. And it, that's very minor. But I, what I'm just trying to say is, you, you can't always depend on things going well when you have no plan at all. You have been listening to Wedding and Event Podcast with Toby Dodge and Eric Zimmerman. If you have a question, comment, or topic suggestion, please call Eric at 626-797-1795 or contact Eric by email, eric at elegantmusic.com. That's E-R-I-C at elegantmusic.com. Contact Toby by email, toby at prepared.com. That's T-O-B-E-Y at P-R-E-P-A-I-R-E-D.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and receive a new episode each week. Thank you for listening.